listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. We are here talking about relationships. I appreciate the uh, um, the confidence you have in, in our example, but I want to say, honestly, relationships are not only a good idea, but they're a God idea. Yeah. And uh, all relationships were with the intent that we'd have God in the middle of those relationships. And so uh, we've got a big task ahead of us today because the subject is relationships and uh, we've got about 40 minutes to talk about probably the biggest subject in the whole wide world (laughs) and uh, we're going to cover off on all sorts of things. So it's not a marriage seminar, it's not a singles uh, seminar, it's it's kind of relationships all round, it's a bit of of parenting and and for you blokey blokes and and who have good mates, this is for you as well and and for all the ladies here who have great girlfriends, uh, this is for you as well, it's it's relationships right across the board, so we're just going to kind of throw some things out there, put a few of our examples to those principles and hopefully there'll be something. If not everything is for you, hopefully something will be for you oh, today. How does that sound? Yeah. Fantastic. But the first thing you need to know about us is uh, when we met and where we met and how old we were and how long we've been together. So um, why don't you just quickly tell that story? That'd be good. Sure. Who wants to know where we met? Yeah. Yeah. I could give you a thousand guesses and you wouldn't guess. So why don't you just tell them where we met? Awesome. Well, we met at roller skating. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are like, what's roller skating? For all the young people, what you need to know about roller skating, roller skating uh, was the coolest thing back in the day. So whatever is cool today, that's roller skating back then, okay? Well, that's what we tell people anyway. (laughs) They weren't there. They'll have to believe us. That's right. That's cool. So I was 13. Did I just turn? I was 13 and you were 13. Yeah, yeah, we're the same age. Yeah, we were young. Okay. So we were young, uh, met at roller skating. Uh, what What else did you ask me? I asked her to be my girlfriend, <laughs> and it was in a couple session, and Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart was playing. Because <laughs> once upon a time, there was oh my light God. in my life. Now there's only love in the dark. <laughs> We're not on the worship team, can you tell? Total <laughs> <laughs> of the heart. <laughs> anyway, go on. So we, 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 and we dated for eight years. We did. We dated for eight years. I know. Is he not slow? I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but we were young. We were. We were. We were young. We were. We were. And, and yep, we, dated for eight years. Have been married now for 26. It'll be 27 years February. Yep. So we dated for eight years and we waited for eight years before we had kids. I told you, we're slow, all right? We just want to make sure we get it right. So, so next year on March 17, we've been together for 35 years. That's pretty cool. So, so that's us in a nutshell, that's how we met, and uh, I honestly want to say that, uh, you know, all those puppy love stages, when I first met Kath and saw her at roller skating, I loved her, I just thought, man, she's awesome, I went over, skated, tripped her over, because that's what young kids do, <laughs> that was my sign that I, I like this girl, but I want to say, I, I'm in more in love with her, and I like her more now, and I enjoy her more now than I ever have, and so I love you, baby, Aww, you're amazing. Thank you. Cool. Um, so, having said all that, if you're married, just grab the person's hand and just, I love you. Uh, but um, what, what, I, what I want to talk about today are, are some of the cultures that we've worked really hard at keeping when it comes to our relationships. Because the cultures you adopt today determine the legacy you will leave in the future. Mm-hmm. I want you to catch that. And there's a difference between what you believe and the culture that you adopt. 
Because every family, every church, every organisation, every relationship has a culture. And you'll either have the culture by design or by default. And we've made a, a strong intention of ours to make sure that the culture we adopt is the culture that we want. And what I've learned is that uh, values are easy to embrace. Culture's a little bit harder to yeah. get. Yeah. So when our kids were much younger, we saw there were certain traits in their life that we didn't quite like. And so we kind of made the, uh, the rainbow family commandments. We put 10 of them because there was 10 Old Testament commandments. So we had these 10 rainbow commandments. And uh, they were things that addressed the problems or the things, the habits that our kids had formulated that we didn't quite like. And they were things like, um, you know, stomping their feet and not looking adults in the eye. And so we wanted, we wanted that to change. And so we, number one was, thou shalt not stomp their feet. And what I learned about that moment and season in our life as, as young parents was it was easy to put the values on the fridge, but it was harder to get the culture in the home. Yeah. <laughs> and in order to get the culture in the home and not just have the values on the fridge, you had to engage in a battle. Yeah. And I want to say this, when it comes to relationships, there are some things worth fighting for. Yeah, it's good. And that's what we want to talk about today. Some of the cultures that are worth fighting for. And when you win the battle, it's about keeping the culture. It's not just about getting the culture, but it's about keeping the culture. And every church leader knows in order to get the culture you want, you've got to fight for it, and then you've got to keep it. And so that's what we want to talk about today, and I hope this uh, will help you. No end. I think, too, one of the things you often say, babes, is that um, you have to celebrate the cultures that you like, and then you have to address the cultures that you don't like. And so often we find ourselves in, whether it's a workplace or a family situation or, for us, church leadership... And if you ever find yourself saying, oh, I don't like this about my connect group or I don't like this about, it's often because there's a culture being established that we haven't uh, addressed. And so we've just worked really hard at saying, you know what, we like that. So when our kids got it right, when we got it right, we'd celebrate. And when there was something that would happen that was against our culture, then we would, you know, let's address that and let's talk into that. So, Fantastic. So, so you want to know what the first culture is? It's just it's a culture of communication. Everyone say Communication. Turn to the person next to you and, and communicate the word communication. How's that? Communication is a two-way street. This may, this may seem shocking to you, but it's actually a two-way street. It's, it's not just one person talking at or shouting at the other. It's actually a two-way street. It involves talking and it involves listening. You know, you know even prayers like that. You know, it's us talking to God, but it's us stop talking and actually listening to what God has to say. Every relationship needs a moment where we are talking, but it also needs a moment where we are listening. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, and I also think you have to remember that communication isn't nagging. And I'm not addressing the women only, because I've seen plenty of men nagging. But often, nagging just... But more so the women. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, Yes. Honestly, yes. <laughs> but, you know, it's not nagging, just constantly bickering away like a dripping tap, just after, 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 after. It's not nagging. It's not manipulating. We're talking how do you get your point across? How are you trying to have a decent communication or conversation with a friend or with um, your kids or with your husband? It's not manipulating. And I often see in my own life there are times when I feel if I'm not being heard or feel like I'm not communicating or I'm struggling in my communicating you can resort to manipulation where you hold something back. Let's take our kids and if we feel that they're not doing what it is we're asking and we're tired of having to tell them all the time, we'll start to withdraw affection or start to withdraw things and it's a form of manipulation to try and get them to toe the line in that area. So manipulation, um, 
uh, nagging. And another one that I've seen, and I sadly have to admit I've been guilty of, is you trying to talk to someone via someone. And you all know what I'm talking about. It's like kids come to you and they ask for something. You say, you know what, Geordie, I would love to do that. But Daddy, and now Daddy's in the room, what am I telling Jordan? I'm saying, hey, I'd like to, but I'm actually talking to Daddy right now, but I'm addressing it to Jordan. And that's, again, not a great form of communication. You want to have an overcoming relationship, then that's just really not helpful. I think, again, when it comes to relationships, being on the same page is a great place to start. So that's really important. Uh, Communication is not only a two-way street, but communication takes on many expressions. Uh, There's a great little book written called The Five Love Languages. Uh, Many of you probably read that, know about it, and and that's great. Can I give you a little tip when it comes to reading that book? Because most of us read it wrong. We read it, find out our love language, and then we give everyone what we want. Guilty. (laughs) And that's not the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is to understand that there are different ways in which people are best communicated to. And and the best thing you can do is not only be aware of your love language, but also be aware of those love languages in the relationships that you're closest to. And even for me, who has a lot of guy blokey mates, it's good for me to know what their love language is and the way that uh, they understand and they hear and they are communicated to. with our three kids, it's amazing. Three kids, same mum and dad, but all have different love languages. Yeah. Our oldest, Jordan, she's an acts of service girl. Uh, our, our son, uh, Mitch, he, he's a, a touch and words of affirmation kid. Yeah. Uh, same parents, but, but different. And our youngest, BJ, she's a gifts girl. Yeah. I mean, the last thing she said before leaving, <laughs> and, and what you need to know, we, we've been to, uh, in Melbourne this weekend, but we go on to Hawaii, yeah, tough, I know, but we go from <laughs> Melbourne to Hawaii to do a men's conference, and then the weekend in a church of a friend of ours over there, so we'll be away for 12 days, and, and this is what my youngest BJ says, she said, Dad, don't forget, bring me back a present, <laughs> it's her love language, our two oldest kids, even when they were young, they, they weren't really about the gifts, and so it's, it's, it's interesting and, and worth noting what somebody's love language is, because if you give somebody your love language, yeah. it's like you're speaking a different language. Yeah. You know, if, if, you, if you don't speak Chinese and someone's speaking Chinese, it kind of, it's, it's hard to understand each other. It's hard to get on the same page. It's hard to communicate. And so I would say get that book, read it by all means, but use it as a tool to find out what other people's love language is. And while the temptation will always be to give them the love language that you want and you like, Actually start giving them the love language that I like. I, like. I know for Kath, her love language is she's a, she's a service girl. She's like Jordan. She, she's an acts of service girl. And uh, one of the things that uh, I love doing when Kath's been away for a weekend, preaching somewhere, doing something like that, I say to the kids, hey, kids, I want this house spotless. I don't want mum to have to lift a finger. I don't want her to have to wash a dish. I don't want her to have to just to, to iron anything. I don't have to, uh, want her to have to hang any washing out. I don't want her to have to bring any washing in. That kind of stuff for Kath is just like it and a bit. Yeah. And uh, that, that makes for, you know, happy wife, happy, happy life. <laughs> so there's different ways of communicating yep. and it's worth us getting on the same page with the people in our world. And there's not only different ways, but I think communication has a time and a place. And again, the same with we try to talk our language. I think we also try to talk it in our way, the way we like it. And so, for example, I'm a kind of cut to the chase, let's get there, let's get it done. Okay, list. I'm a list girl, everything's done. But our oldest daughter, Jordan, she's a, um, she'll suck it up, suck it up, suck it up. And you're trying all these different avenues to get her to, to talk and she doesn't want to. And then she'll have a meltdown after six weeks of sucking up. And we just discovered 
that every night when I, we used to put her to bed, I just started to lay on the bed next to her and we'd just start to talk, just talk froth and bubble and whatever and it would soon, de- the things that were going on in her heart and in her head would start to come to the surface and we could have some really great conversations in that 15 minutes of just laying on the bed, saying goodnight and the temptation is, is I'm trying to get them to bed so that I've now got time for me and for Tony and the list and the things that I want to do and you want to try and bypass it but I just learned, you know what, if I lay here 15 minutes, start by, hey, did you like that TV? Whatever it is, started, it just opened something up and then she would start to communicate and I would start to learn things and then we could fashion how we went um, from there. So there's always a time and place when it comes to a culture of communication. Yeah, and our job as parents and as friends and husbands and wives, again, it's, it's to recognise when's the best time to talk to someone. You know, my dad grew up uh, in, a, in a loveless marriage and, and my mum and dad literally stayed together because of us, uh, their children, which I'm grateful for. But uh, one thing I appreciate about my dad, although it wasn't easy for him to stay in that loveless marriage, uh, he knew my mum's uh, strengths and weaknesses. He knew her best times and her worst times. And so in the morning, he, he never bothered putting any pressure on my mum in the morning because she just was not a morning person. And again, I think knowing the time and place where people hear best is really important. So if you're finding, again, in your marriage right now, you, can't, you seem to be like ships in the night, again, think about when is a good time to communicate, when is not a good time, because no matter how good your intentions are, if you're trying to communicate to someone uh, at the wrong time of day, it's just going to go bad real quick. And so, again, I would say for all of our kids, uh, just that time of just going to bed, uh, and it was easy for us to say, oh, you just, you, you just want to talk to us because you don't want to go to sleep. And I, and I remember fighting that, you know, almost telling them off because they want to talk to us. And they hang on, I've got to, I've got to turn this around. Yeah. Actually, if they want to talk, let, let's go with that. Yeah. Let's go with wanting to talk. But what I'm saying is I'm tired and I just want to get to bed and I, I want to just do other things. But we learned something about our kids that that was a great time to talk. Now, again, that may not be the case for your kids, but again, we learned that through a little bit of trial and error, which I think uh, has been really really helpful. Uh, What else about communication? I think too that there should be, for every healthy relationship, you should be able to talk about anything and everything. And we always say, like to married couples, you know what, you should be able to talk about intimacy and what it is you like and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. The same as you talk about, hey, what do you like for dinner? What's your favourite food? There's got to be no kind of no-go zones. I think everything should be but there is obviously in terms of who you're talking to and where you're talking to, you make it age appropriate. So I always remember the story when our kids come home and they'd go, hey, mum, what's sex? And you're just like, hang on, I'm looking at the age, you're thinking about how they asked it, the format. And so I'm not going to give them an in-depth at four birds and bees issue. I'm going to talk to them about where they're at, what's happening there. And so, you know, that's something between mums and dads. At, at this point in time, that case, when he's 12, that's probably not a great answer. But to do it then and there, and he's like, oh, okay, cool. And it didn't become this big taboo subject that oh, he'd obviously heard that word in the school behind the shelter shed or something and just wanted to know what it was. And so, again, when talking communication, it's about, okay, what's age appropriate? What's here? And what is subject? We don't go, oh, it's that word or it's, oh, it's that subject. No, let's just talk about it in light of where they're at and nothing's off limits. Yeah, that's great. And uh, one thing I was talking about with Craig and Nadia at lunch is um, when it comes to, particularly for parents there, and you've got younger kids, uh, it's about affirming the gift that's in mm. them. And uh, we had a more recent uh, scenario where our youngest, BJ, um, she, she, she has this incredible ability and gift whereby she can meet someone for the first time 
and her relationship with that person can go deep quick. I mean, she just has a way of connecting with people at a deep level in a, in a short amount of time. And that always ends in heartache and tears when that person has to leave. And so about a year ago, we went on holidays to the Gold Coast with the Thorntons, Scott and Amanda Thornton, who are pastors at Life in Auckland and uh, great friends of ours. And uh, they've got a daughter who's a little bit older than BJ. And uh, it's the first time our families went away together. Scott and I and Amanda and Kath know each other well, but we didn't quite know how the families were going to interact. Uh, but it went better than we could have imagined. But I said to Kath, I said, oh my gosh, when, when uh, Kyla and Scott and the family leave, uh, there's going to be tears. And sure enough, BJ's waving goodbye to her new friend, <laughs> Kyla, that she's known four days. And it's like, oh! <laughs> and as a parent, that can be really frustrating. And, and I remember just getting that God drop, just, just thinking, hang on, you know what? What she's been able to do in a short period of time, some people aren't able to do their whole life. Yeah. To get in a deep relationship that quickly is a gift, and it needs to be affirmed. And so I remember sitting down and said, hey, sweetie, the fact that you have this gift, and I, I spelt it out what it was. I said, you have this incredible ability. you know what it is? She says, no. I said, you have this ability to be able to go deep in your relationships quickly. That's a gift. That's a skill. Well done. Yeah. But with every gift, it needs to be managed. Wow. You know, if I gave someone a brand new car, but they didn't know how to drive that car, that gift could kill them. Yeah. You could learn how to drive that gift. Yeah. And every one of us has been given gifts. And this young kid of ours, she's got this amazing ability to go deep quickly, but she needs to manage it. Because I'm thinking, my goodness me, pity the kid. When she starts getting interested in boys, can you imagine that poor first boyfriend? He'd be like, stalker. I thought, I've got to protect this kid, whoever he is out there. I've got to protect her from, from this gift unbridled. So I, we need to manage this gift now. Yeah. And, and I can honestly say we've been really intentional about this, particularly with BJ in the last 12 months. And I say, honestly, she's a different kid. Great. She's a different kid. And sometimes you don't know those gifts. It's only as they get a little bit older, it becomes more apparent as to what it is. And so I'm just, again, that, for me, that was a battle worth fighting. And I so, I'm so glad we've won it and are winning that uh, yeah. because she is a different girl from this time of the year compared to yeah. 12 months ago. And I know you're going to move on to the second culture, but I just want to finish with this, is that just because you're not naturally a good communicator... It's no excuse. I'm naturally not a good communicator. I may suck it up, suck it up, suck it up. Just, And so I've had to work really, really hard at it. you just got to make a commitment that this is a culture that I want to have dynamic relationships, not only a dynamic marriage. I want to be a dynamic parent. I want to be a dynamic pastor. I want to be a dynamic girlfriend. And so I've had to make a commitment to communicate. And even though it's hard... Um, just said, this is what is necessary, this is what's needed, and we're just going to work towards that. You know, one of the things that makes for a good communicator, my dad taught me this, it's the ability to ask questions. And so when I was a young kid and didn't know much at all, and I would ask my dad a question, the easiest thing as a parent to do is just give the kid the answer because it's just, it's just easier. You know, it's just easier to do it yourself. But one thing I, I'm so grateful to my dad he probably gave me the greatest gift of all, and that's the ability to think. And, and he cultivated this ability to think by not answering my questions, but asking me first what I thought. And so every question I had of my dad, he'd say, what do you think? And that took patience on his part, because most of the time I didn't have a clue, and I was miles off the answer. And my dad would help me. He'd say, what about if you knew this? Would that change the way you think? So it'd give me a little bit of information to help me think a bit deeper. And then it would get me a little bit closer to the answer. I wouldn't be the answer, but I'd be closer to the answer. And he'd say, okay, well, what about if you knew this? Would that change the way you think? 
And, and I, I remember even, you know, at the ages, you know, five and six and seven, those formative years, dad asking me questions. And you know what that did? It made me feel, I felt valued that, wow, he values my opinion. And, and I think uh, one of the things that lacks in marriages over time is that we take each other for granted and we no longer value one another and we no longer value one another's questions and no, uh, their comments. And, and so I, I would say get in the habit of, of asking questions because it actually validates the relationship and gives a person of uh, self-esteem that you value what they have to say. And I believe that can work across the board, uh, adults to children, husbands to wives, mates to mates, girlfriends to girlfriends. So again, helpful hint, uh, get in the habit of asking questions. And all of our team know, whenever they ask me a question, I said, I know you're going to ask me what I think, so here's what I think. It's just, it's just a culture in our team now. They say, I know you're going to ask me what I think, so here's what I think. I said, cool, that, that's what we want. I want you thinking. You know, because we don't want robots. We want people that can actually think. Amen? Second culture uh, is a culture of forgiveness. These are things worth fighting for. A culture of forgiveness. Uh, In the Bible, Peter asked Jesus, how many times should a man forgive? And he thought he was doing uh, a a good number. Seven, it was a godly number. And and Jesus said, not seven, but 70 times seven. In other words, uh, we should always be in or position ourselves to forgive. Do you want to elaborate on that, Kath? Yeah, I, I, one of my favourite co- uh, quotes is by Ruth Graham, and she says, the best marriages and the happiest marriages are made up of the union of two great forgivers. And I love that, because again, I think we just think that there shouldn't be conflict. And the, one of the major questions that we're often asked is, do you fight? It's like, what do you mean, do we fight? We fight really well, thank you. <laughs> Everything we do well, we do well, don't we? We do. We do. And we fight well. We do fight well. But the question is, it's not whether you fight, it's how you fight. And I think healthy relationships are when you fight for resolution rather than fighting to win. And the human nature is, because the reason we fight is because we've all got the sinful nature. We're two selfish individuals um, trying to do life together, whether it's in marriage or just friendship or parenting. It's selfish individuals trying to have, I want my way, you want your way, and there has to be conflict. So it's not about whether there's conflict, it's what we do when conflict comes. And we've got to learn to not fight so that I win. We've got to fight. Um, I'm always saying we're fighting to get resolution here. We're fighting so that we can get rid of the conflict that we're presently experiencing. I'm not fighting against you. And uh, often you have to remind yourself of that. That's the culture that you want to have is I need to fight together, not fight one another. Yeah. I, I always am worried about people who said, oh, we, we've never fought. we never fight. And I don't know how that's possible to, to live in close proximity over a long period of time with some of the pressures of life and, and not fight. So again, fighting and, and having conflict in your relationships doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a person. So give yourself a break. But how you resolve it and how you choose to resolve it is really important. Uh, I remember a few years ago, it's actually uh, 11 years ago, it, it, it lives with me. Um, and uh, it, was, it was at the end of the year, I was very tired, uh, going into the busy season of Christmas, and, and we were on holidays, and I hadn't quite unwound yet, but we found ourselves in Sydney, Bondi Beach, and, you know, this was, this was going to be a great day on the beach for me. Long story short, kids started playing up, I don't like the beach, I don't like the sand, the water's too salty. <laughs> And I just got in one of those foul moods. And again, I'm not justifying my actions at all. I got in the foulest of moods and, and I just lost it. I mean, to my shame, I lost it. I mean, I'm a pastor. 
and, and I lost it. And I got loud and I didn't care who heard me. And I was kind of almost <laughs> provoking someone to, I defy you to have a go at me. I'll stick this umbrella in places where the sun doesn't shine kind of stuff. And, and I just grabbed all our gear. I said, let's go home. And I, and I just, I couldn't, I was so frustrated and so mad. All I could say was, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I, I mean, that's bad. And I'm, and I'm stomping, and I'm kicking sand in people's, and like, I'm just baiting people. Have a go, I dare you. And, I, and, and thankfully, I'm, too, I'm grateful for two things. One, that no one picked a fight with me. I'm grateful for that. And I'm also grateful that Bondi Rescue weren't filming. In, in bad. And, and, and I got in the car, and I'm hitting the steering wheel. I can't believe it, I can't believe it. And my, my kids, so BJ was uh, just a baby, so... But the two older ones, they're like, you know, that impressionable age, uh, about eight and, and, and uh, ten, that kind of age. And, and uh, we get to the house that we were staying at, and, and it just dawned on me how stupid I've been and such a bad example. And, and, and I mean, it's just not a fine example of parenting. It's not a fine example of husbanding. It's not a fine example of being a Christian. It's not even a fine example of being a person. I just, I just, it just, the weight of what I'd done, and I just felt horrible. And I remember getting our kids and in the room, and, and, and I literally got on my knees just to get to their little eye level, and I looked them in the eyes and said, kids, what I did today is unacceptable, and I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And they're like, because <laughs> to me there's something about saying sorry and asking for forgiveness because that's the gospel yeah. and, and everything we do I'm trying to model the gospel this thing of forgiveness is so big for me because the gospel doesn't exist without forgiveness yeah. mm. and, and then I did something which I think is really important for parents to do I think it's really important for mates to do I think it's really important for girlfriends to do and I think it's really important for husbands and wives to do and that is to take off what you've put yes. on them. Yeah. And, and I said to them, I said, and I want you to know something. The church didn't make me do this. Good. I, I don't want them having a residue that this is a result of dad working for the church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I didn't say that. That wasn't verbalized, but it can be communicated. Mm. Some things are communicated without words. And, and I wanted to take off what I didn't communicate with words, but I did communicate with my action. I was tired, I was frustrated. Is that the church, Dad? No, it wasn't the church. It's not the church. I love the church. We're part of the best church in the world. I love our church. And then I said this, and I want you to know, this has got nothing to do with your mum. You have the best mum in the whole world. I want to take off. I think, if they think, are you going to separate? Yeah. See, kids, kids are intuitive, but they lack wisdom. Mm. So they pick up things, but they don't know what they're picking up. Yeah. So they'll make their own interpretation of what they're picking up unless we spell it out. That's good. And so I said, it's not the church. And it's not your mum. And I said, and you know what? It's not you. A lot of kids carry guilt thinking they're the problem for their mum and dad's relationship breaking up. I said, you are the best kids in the world. You're amazing. I said, you know what? This is, this is on me. This is all on me. And I'm so sorry. And... We kissed, made up, had a good afternoon. But that night at the dinner table, I'll never forget it. We're sitting down and, and Mitchy just breaks the tension. I mean, it was a good day. The forgiveness was there. But what broke the tension was Mitchy go, Dad, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. 
And at that moment, I thought, you know what? God took my worst moment. And this is what I love about the gospel. This is what I love about Jesus. He takes my worst moments. And somehow, if we respond correctly, I remember I was talking this morning about confession is to say what God says. When you, when you say sorry, you can't say, hey kids, I'm really sorry, but you know, it's been busy and, and it's, you know, the church. That, that's not what God's saying. You have to say what God's saying. And, and when you say what God's saying, true confession, he's able to redeem that. And what that did for our family, we went deeper as a family. My, my kids remember that. But you know what they remember about it? They remember what I did after. And, and they, they said, Dad, I want to thank you for being such a great example of what it is to model forgiveness. I think that's what you remember. I mean, I, ca- I, I, I cannot describe enough how bad my actions were, but what they remember is how I modeled forgiveness. That's great. Isn't that awesome? Mm. What's our third one for the sake of time? Our third one is a culture of health. Yes, and talk about that. not just the gym. <laughs> <laughs> talk about that. All right. We've got a, a saying where we say, the best gift you can give someone is a healthy you. Often everyone just, especially women, we like to put ourselves last and we'll do anything for everybody else. But the best gift you can give anybody is a healthy you. So the best thing you can bring to a relationship is a healthy you. And so we're often trying to get something out of others and, and wanting uh, things from them in a relationship. But we've got to come to the relationship with what we can put into it. And the best thing we can do is a healthy us. And so there's lots of different things that we do. We heard Tony talk this morning about the gym Um, He jokes that it's a little bit vain, but a lot of it's sanity. It's about how he can be healthy so that he can come home from work, he can do a workout. When he comes home, he's actually there for us. He's present as dad, he's present as husband. So the gym, while it's a selfish, um, in some sense, people say, well, that's your time and you get to do that and that's not fair. It's like we as a family are saying, we're so glad that you get to do that because when you get to do that, you're bringing home a healthy you. Healthy boundaries are really important to me. And if there's any singles out there, you know, uh, obviously when you associate Christianity and, and the Bible and singleness, there's this whole thing of celibacy and, and uh, it's often, you know, misunderstood from God's perspective. And, and you've got to understand, God has a plan and a purpose for your life and he has a, God, a plan and a purpose for everything that he initiates. And uh, for me, the whole waiting till marriage before you enter into a sexual relation uh, it has a lot of wisdom to it. And I believe one of the, the, the wisdoms of God is that you could have a relationship that's on a healthy foundation. And a relationship that's on a healthy foundation isn't based upon your sex life. It's based on other things that are far more important. And one of those foundations is the ability to communicate. And it's interesting, if you take sex and intimacy out of the equation, you're left to talk through your issues. And, and I'm convinced that God wants you to not only get married, but he wants you to be happily married all the days of your life. And in order for that to happen, why not have it on a good foundation where you're talking? And also, it's a healthy foundation of being able to respect one another's no's. Yeah. I mean, if you're a young girl and, and you say no, you want to wait till you're married and you value purity and you have a man who doesn't value your no, that's not a healthy relationship. Mm. And so these things are in the Bible for our good. God is not a party pooper. But he knows what's most important to make something work. And when it comes to relationships, communication, respect of people's boundaries, respect of their priorities, respect of things that are valuable to them are really important. And so if you have a guy that's chipping away and trying to be a player and work his way in order to break you down, that is not a good foundation for a relationship. 
And so I cannot state this strongly enough. When it comes to boundaries, the healthy boundaries, uh, keep yourself pure. Stay pure. Um, not because you can't have sex because I'm a Christian. That, that's, not, that's not the intention. And, and, and if you don't make the most of your dating years and your single years, I would say make the most of every season in your life and, and, and know its purpose. You know, we see people who are single, they can't wait to be married. I'm saying that. Make the most of it. Learn what you need to as a single person so that you can actually have a good foundation for your married life. We have young people, they get, they get married and then they have babies and they can't wait for their kids to be grown up. Just enjoy every season yeah. of your life. I think too, when we get married, then we think boundaries are only for when you're a single. But as a married couple, you need to have boundaries. And one of my little soapboxes is I always see what I would call over-mothered children and underwived husbands. And so the kids come along and hubby gets shoved to the back burner and kids become the number one focus. And I get that there are seasons and there are things we have to walk through. But at the end of the day, I've been given my husband. I'm his number one sheep. He's my number one. And we have kids together. But they all go, our job is to prepare them for another. And at the end of the day, they're going to leave. And I'll be, I don't want to be left with a stranger. And so we've had to put some boundaries in place because we love our kids. But you know what? My hubby comes first and my, our kids know that. I mean, we travel here. People say to us, oh, do you miss your kids? There's a sense of, yes, we do. But because we've put some boundaries in place, we've taught them some things. I'm here because I've got a job to do. And if I spent the whole time here pining about, oh, I wish I was home, then I'm missing and forfeiting the grace that God has extended to me. And so we just say to people, you know what? You've got to have some healthy boundaries within your marriage your husband needs to know or your wife needs to know she's priority number one and our kids know that they don't feel any less they don't feel like they miss out but they know mum and dad's relationship is ultimate because if this is good then this is good because if this isn't good then this is not good and so we've just worked really hard at just our kids knowing that this comes first and then they come from there even to the point of parenting like our kids when growing up had a rule of two sports. That was it. Two things they could do, two extracurricular activities because there's five of us in the family and we have church commitments, we have work commitments and so two things is all they could do. Now they're kids, they kept pushing the boundaries. They'd try and sneak things in and we just have to remember, hang on, Bailey, Bailey, and Bailey's the greatest at doing that. She'd come in and say, can I now do the violin? So our first question is, sure you can. What are you giving up? And she's like mortified that, what do you mean, what am I, we're saying, well, you already do aerobics and you're doing a singing lessons, so to do the violin, absolutely, but which one's going? And then putting it, because again, you know, well, I could say yes to that, but that, I say yes to that, it's at the expense of something else. And the best gift I can give my kids is to look after their mother, or the same with Tony, look after their dad. And so again, healthy boundaries isn't just when you're single, you've got to bring those healthy boundaries into your marriage. Again, I say this, date night is for married people. It's when you're married that date night can go out the window because of the busyness of life. When you're uh, dating, every time you go out, it's a date night. It happens all the time. <laughs> date nights are reserved for when life gets busy. So, again, I would say to the married couples, particularly when you've got kids and work and, and life gets busy, you've got to prioritise developing and keeping the relationship alive, particularly husband and wife. It makes sense, uh, which brings me to my fourth culture, and that's a culture of intimacy. Um, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, said this. He said, you have 10,000 guardians, but not many fathers. I became a father to you. And this speaks of a depth of relationship. 
Again, when we hear intimacy, we think husband and wife, and, and I'm certainly referring to that. But I'm talking about a depth of relationship, e- even amongst good mates. You know, a lot of our relationships, I find, particularly with social media, it's a mile wide, but it's an inch deep. Mm. We have thousands of social media, virtual reality friends, but we don't have many deep friends. And and I think uh, God intended us, as Paul highlighted, for our relationships to be maybe less in number, but deeper in quality. And that's going to take a commitment from us because without relationships, the gospel doesn't exist. God so loved the world that he sent his son, not a random stranger. Someone, they had an intimate relationship with intimate knowledge of that he sent. And I'm convinced that God wants us not just to have friends, but he wants us to have a depth of friendship that can help us and hold us through the darkest of times. You know, um, there's that saying that says that the grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. And I think often we approach, whether it's marriage or even just with our friendships, if we, especially with social media, you can think that things are better over there, better over here, better over there. But what I love, Joel Osteen says this, that your partner, or you put it in the context of your friend, has 80% of what it is you need. But often what we do is we concentrate on the 20% that they don't have. And he talks about it in the context of marriage. And he says what happens is people often leave their partner because of the 20%. But guess what? The next partner, the next person you enter into a relationship with, they only have 80%. Now, it could be a different 80% from the other person, but they're still missing 20%. And when we're talking about a culture of intimacy, we've got to get comfortable with, you know what? They only have 80% of what it is I need. But guess what? I've only got 80% of what it is they need? Am I prepared to overlook the 20% and concentrate on the 80% and we'll all and both be happy? And when it comes to relationships, particularly with husband and wife, I I would say this. What you did to get, fellas, what you did to get the girl is what you've got to do to keep the girl. And the same is true for the women. What you did to get the guy, you have to do to keep the guy. And if you think about a young couple that are in love, the guys, they have a shower, Deodorant. They put on deodorant. They, they, they go out and buy a new outfit and they, they, kind of, they think about what they look like. They think about what they smell like. Because uh, in order to get the girl, you can't just rock up however you want. And over time, that stuff goes by the by. And so I, I would say when it comes to keeping your love life alive for all the marries out there, just, just don't let yourself go. Work hard at, at keeping and getting the sexy back, Yeah. And uh, keeping, your, keeping your love life strong and healthy and enjoying that. Because there's a, there's a young group of people that are being put off marriage because of people who have been married for a long period of time and they've got nothing to offer. We, I, I want to see not just people staying married, but, but being uh, in love with each other and enjoying one another and, and, and having sexy relationships, not just godly ones, amen? And so that's kind of what I would encourage every relationship. And if you found yourself just slipping in that area, hey, use this as a reminder of what matters most. And maybe, like I said, it's been a while since you, you dressed up and went out. I would say focus on those things because they're important. And I'm looking at the time, I'm mindful of the time, and we're out of time, but the last one was simply this, it's a culture of fun. A culture of fun. Uh, Fun is one of the first things to go in a relationship, particularly as the years go by. And again, this is something we fought for, just having fun in life. Yeah, 
Tony spoke this morning about Mitch and climbing the trees. And someone said to us many, many years ago, before we had kids, they said, if you let your kids do dangerous things, they'll stay away from sinful things. And so as a mum, you kind of go, don't do that. And I've had to learn to just, okay, Tony, you take him to climb the tree because I don't think I would cope. But we've just had to work fun into all sorts of things. And I've had to overlook whether that could be serious or that could be dangerous or that. Because I think if they can do that, it'll keep them away from other things. And it's the same within your relationship. There's so many things you just, as a, I'm a, I'm a, eldest child so I'm the responsible one and I often find myself wanting to put the brakes on Tony's wanting to egg them on and do things or Tony's wanting us to do some fun things and everything in me just wants to pull the reins back and say no and you know no that's not whatever and I've had to work really hard at not being um what's what do you call it when you're the police that stops the non-fun police whatever that is (laughs) so I've had to work really hard at that because my natural tendency is like no prim and proper Every, you know, just everything in its place, everything's in order. My ducks are all in a low that line. They do the goose step really well. Tony's ducks are in a circle. They're brightly coloured and they're having fun. And I've had to learn to let my ducks off the lead sometimes so that they can actually have some fun. Yeah, we need order, we need structure, but it can't be the expense of just having good old-fashioned fun. Uh, I think when I was with you last, I talked about the sickness that I endured and I was in hospital for three weeks and, uh, you know, it was pretty dire for a little while there. I mean, honestly, they didn't know what was wrong with me and, and my, you know, blood was not healthy and, and I was struggling to breathe, struggling to stay alive and you know, I almost died. But here's the thing, I almost died, I didn't die. And when you've been in hospital for three weeks, it's a long time particularly when you're a guy with testosterone in his body. And, and so what I will say, without getting into too much detail and grossing you out, I, I remember saying to Karen, I said, hey, babe, we're in hospital. Do you want to play doctors and nurses? <laughs> and and this, this could have been a real somber, you, you almost, I, I want to tell you, I, I thank God that my, my wife was, was willing to play her part. And... and <laughs> And I, I'm so grateful for those moments because that, that, like I said, that moment wasn't the most pleasant time in my life, but we made as much Thanks. fun as we could. Now that, that moment I remember well. But sometimes you'll go through some dark times and it doesn't have to be as dark as you make it. Just, just make it fun. Ha, have fun. Don't take, don't take yourself nor life so seriously. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to feel like the worst husband at times. You're going to feel like the worst mate at times. You're going to feel like the worst dad at times. But you know what? It's life. And give yourself a break. There is one who loves you. There is one who sees you. There is one who is willing to forgive you. Every time you just come and say, oh Lord, I just messed it up again. I'm so sorry. You know that Bondi story I tell? I've told it many times. But I've only ever apologised for it once. When I apologise, I apologise at the deepest heartfelt level. The Bible says that my sins are forgiven and he remembers them no more. So it would be pointless me saying, oh God, I'm sorry about that. He said, what? what? I've forgiven you. I've told the story lots to help people and to teach them what to do in those moments when we're not the best dad, we're not the best mum, we're not the best husband or wife. But I've only ever apologised for it once. There's a guy who loves you and he wants the best for you. And so forgive yourself. Forgive your wife and or husband. Forgive your mum and dad. Forgive your children. Forgive your brothers and sisters. Don't allow bitterness.
to get a root in your life because that's going to hinder and stop every relationship in your life. And why I'm so indebted and so grateful and so in love with Jesus is that He came not only to set me free, but to keep me free. What He did on Calvary set me free. What keeps me free is His Word and the principles in His Word that if I would apply on a daily basis, we stay free. And I have been a horrible, horrible husband at times to my wife. And I say that with, with no joy. But I'm so grateful that I have a God who forgives me, a wife who understands forgives. I'm so grateful that I have kids that uh, have extended that same grace to me. I'm so grateful that I have people in my world that have extended that same grace to me. We're not experts at relationships. But we've tapped into the fact that relationships are not only a good idea, they're a God idea. And when you bring God into the middle of your relationships, it will make up for what you lack. Can I just pray for every one of us before we're finished today? Is that all right? Can we just stand? If you are married, why don't you just grab your hand of your, your partner today? And maybe if you're near a family member, just, I don't know, just do whatever it is in your family culture that you're comfortable with. Maybe it's, it's holding hands or putting your arms around each other or whatever it is. Just, just love each other according to their love language. <laughs> Father, we just thank you that relationships are your idea. It's not a man-made thing. It's a God-ordained thing. And I thank you for every relationship in this place. Husbands and wives, mums and dads, brothers and sisters, aunties and uncles, grandparents. Thank you for mateship. Thank you for the girlfriends in the house. And I pray through this very short conversation that Kath and I have had something would be sparked in the heart of each and every person in this place. That we would hunger after godly relationships. And that our relationships would go deeper. That we'd be more willing for your help to forgive, to make adjustments for the sake of the relationships that are oh so important. Father, for every marriage in this place, I just pray just strengthen those marriages the greatest picture of the relationship between God and humanity is that of a marriage and we realise it's a, it's, a, it's a picture that the enemy is trying to destroy so I pray for every husband and wife that stands strong find strength in God today that they continue to love one another forgive one another and have fun together enjoy one another we ask that Lord because these are cultures that are worth adopting because the culture we adopt determines the legacy we will leave and we owe it not just to ourselves we owe it to future generations to get it right and we can't do that without your help may you grace us and help us in Jesus mighty name Amen this podcast from life if you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifeau.org